This is a diet of Brussels. Let's call this one uh, patience for want of a better term. Well, it's been uh, only a couple of weeks since I uh, did my last uh, episode for you. And since then, we've had such a lot that's happened that actually it was moving so quickly. Each time I thought I would have time to say something useful in an episode like this, uh, things moved on quite a lot. So here we are on the 3rd of April. We are in a very strange place right now. Uh, we have an extension, in effect, uh, through to the 12th of April. We've had rounds of indicative votes in Parliament, which have produced no majority for any of the options. We've had uh, a failed attempt to get the withdrawal agreement uh, passed two, And then yesterday, uh, after a very long uh, cabinet, we had a, a very uh, unusual statement from the Prime Minister in which she actually said something, namely that she was going to be uh, trying to find uh, a compromise with uh, the Labour Party, with Jeremy Corbyn, and uh, that if that didn't work, she would go to Parliament with some options for them to vote on. So in effect, uh, a real shift in uh, UK uh, government uh, approach, rather than just going for the party unity strategy, which has characterised her uh, approach uh, up until now. Theresa May seems to be uh, suggesting that actually she wants to try and get uh, people uh, from the other side of the Commons uh, involved in this process. Now, uh, the reason that I, I, I call this episode patience is that uh, Donald Tusk was saying, well, we need to see what comes of this, uh, and uh, was encouraging uh, that virtue of patience to be uh, applied in this case because frankly uh, the main overnight response to this statement is one of uncertainty. There's uncertainty here on a whole number of levels uh, that are really uh, I think worth uh, exploring uh, in all of this because uh, really where we are now uh, there is no clear um, situation uh, on a number of levels. So let's just try and work through what Theresa May is uh, suggesting and uh, where the problems might lie with this. Now, uh, the important thing, I think, is that Tuesday's cabinet was pre-programmed uh, ahead of Monday's second round of indicative voting. Now, this, uh, as you all uh, know, was an effort by uh, Parliament to try and uh, articulate a majority view that might help sway the government. Now, this has all been uh, coordinated by Jer uh, by Oliver Letwin, uh, who uh, got the support of the House for some time uh, last Wednesday, uh, and again this uh, uh, Monday, to consider some different options. So we had six uh, options that were discussed on Wednesday. We had four that were voted on on Monday. And in each case, uh, whilst some of them got close, none of them secured a majority. 
for a variety of reasons, partly because of uh, abstentions uh, by the government, which uh, made life a bit more complicated, partly because, uh, and probably more significantly, because some uh, opposition parties and groups decided that they would uh, vote against some of the uh, seemingly more popular options, the Customs Union or the Common Market 2.0, because they were still forms of Brexit and they were opposed to any form of Brexit. Add in a, a bunch of Labour rebels and you end up with uh, what possibly was a predictable outcome, which was that uh, nothing actually produced a majority. But at the time that uh, Number 10 was putting together a plan for dealing with this, it looked like perhaps uh, that second round in uh, of votes on the Monday might produce a majority, in which case they would need to decide what they were going to do. And very mixed signals over the past week. Maybe they would, maybe they wouldn't. Maybe if they were forced to, they might. All of these things, I think, uh, were very much up in the air. So when on Monday all of those options failed still to get a majority, uh, the Cabinet was faced with a rather different situation, and clearly with the potential uh, for bringing back their plan in the absence of an alternative uh, consensus from uh, Parliament. Now, having said that, it's clear that... Cabinet has some very strong divisions between each other uh, and within itself, uh, which led to uh, a very long discussion and then this rather strange uh, statement by Theresa May. Now, it's strange, uh, and I think it's really worth stressing this, because it is so out of keeping with the way that she has tackled things up until now. The priority, without a doubt, has been one of trying to keep her party and more broadly her government coalition uh, on side, accommodating their differences, rather than about thinking about what might be a, a more consensual position. Similarly, uh, any kind of discussion of trying to find uh, uh, a way through with uh, the Labour Party has been anathema um, on both sides, actually, that there's really been the lack of desire to either be propped up by Labour or for Labour to prop up uh, a Tory government that they think is on its last legs. So the model that May uh, offers is that there will be a meeting probably today with Corbyn uh, to try and agree uh, a plan forward. Uh, if they're able to do that then they'll bring it back to the Commons uh, and the aim would be to try and get uh, a vote on the withdrawal agreement put through. So uh, presumably the quid pro quo would be uh, Labour would get some revisions in the political declaration, which could be done uh, on a separate track and could be done very quickly, probably within 48 hours. You would then have uh, a revised uh, package for uh, meaningful vote for, and Labour would then uh, vote with or... Uh, at worst, abstain in supporting uh, the uh, agreement as it stands. Now, with all of that in mind, then you would have uh, a position where the UK had then uh, approved, uh, in principle, the withdrawal agreements, 
uh, ideally by the end of the week, um, you'd be then able to tell the European Council that uh, the UK was on track for that process and hope then that on Wednesday's uh, Emergency European Council on the 10th, uh, which is just a couple of days before the current uh, deadline, that then they would accept the UK was uh, going to be leaving, would give an extension to the 22nd of May, which would allow time for the UK to complete its ratification of the implementation bill that's necessary to translate the withdrawal agreement into UK law. That's the plan. That's the uh, best case scenario. I would imagine you are well versed in these things enough to spot the numerous bear traps uh, in all of this. Uh, let's just think a bit about the problems. The first problem is on the European side. This plan requires the, the EU to accept an extension from a week on Friday, so the 12th of April, to the 22nd of May, so the day before the European elections, on a promise, which is that government and parliament in the UK will behave well, that they will not mess around with implementation, and that they totally definitely won't find themselves on the 22nd saying, terribly sorry, uh, something's gone wrong, we need a little bit more time because we haven't completed our ratification process. Because, uh, as you remember, the reason for the short extension, or the, the kind of extension the European Council uh, offered, and we talked about this in the last episode, is that this is all shaped by the European elections. So uh, the EU doesn't want the UK to be a member state on the 23rd of May, when it's due to hold European elections, uh, it doesn't want it to be a member state and not hold elections. So if it gets to the day before and it turns out that you do need a little bit more time, then that creates a real problem for the EU. Now, uh, there's no time for a fallback, there's no time for uh, an adjustment. I know we've talked in the previous episode that actually the current parliament is still in session until the end of June, but the EU really, really, really doesn't want to get uh, dragged into anything that smacks of uncertainty uh, on that front. And uh, even if it did, it will be saying that it really doesn't, uh, and you would uh, expect there to be no movement on that issue whatsoever. So even in the best case scenario of getting the UK to complete withdrawal by the 22nd of May, uh, there is a real problem for the EU. So the EU will have to work out quite how it deals with that particular issue. Various people suggesting, well, perhaps the, the quid pro quo on the European side might be that the UK commits to uh, putting in place the arrangements for a European election on the 23rd of May, but it doesn't use them uh, it, you know, it's able to cancel them nearer the time uh, should that be necessary, but at least it's got everything in place just in case. Now, uh, that might be acceptable to the UK. It might not be. Frankly, at this stage, uh, I really don't know uh, what uh, the, the UK is going to say yes or no to uh, on that particular front, but uh, that might be a, a way of uh, squaring that particular circle. But all of this is still best case scenario and it's very, very clear that we are not in a best case situation. 
we go through the steps of what May is proposing, if we think about today uh, and the meeting that she is going to have with Jeremy Corbyn, uh, and apologies if you're listening to this after uh, today uh, on the 3rd, uh, you can tell me if I was right or wrong, it is hard to see how there is going to be a great meeting of minds between May and Corbyn on this issue. Uh, the things that uh, are going to be problematic are firstly how much should Labour help the government out, first of all, uh, which is always going to be the problem. Uh, why should uh, Corbyn help May out of a hole? Um, the the music overnight from Labour was uh, relatively positive, uh, but clearly uh, there is a problem for, for Labour that what should they be asking for in all of this? Should they be asking for a customs union? Should they be asking for uh, basically their uh, alternative plan, which is close alignment with the single market, which is not an entirely viable uh, position? Is it something to do with workers' rights? Is it... <clears throat> Something else. Uh, do they want a second referendum? No, of course they don't want a second referendum. But what is it? What's the, what's the ask? And you know, what can they ask that they can get? And on the Tory side, there's going to be the problem of well, even asking is causing some real unrest in Tory ranks, in the cabinets, in back benches. There are some really unhappy people out there now. Uh, it may be that that unhappiness translates into uh, backbenchers deciding or making it known that they will vote in favour of uh, a new motion of no confidence in the government and Labour is not going to pass up that opportunity. I'm very sure uh, uh, of that particular point, especially given now that we are down to a working majority that is uh, of four. Uh, in Parliament and maybe down to three depending on what happens with the Newport uh, by-election uh, on Thursday. Now it takes very little really to, to kick this uh, off the uh, off the timeline that has been talked about. Even if May and Corbyn can come up with a plan together and if not, even if Parliament can come up with some kind of uh, position on an indicative vote basis, and there's no clarity about what the indicative votes would uh, be choosing among, you still have a problem that you still have to get approval of uh, the meaningful vote. Um, and what's becoming clear is that the EU doesn't want to give any more extensions past, it doesn't want to do a short extension if it doesn't get uh, MV4 uh, passed. Now, let's say that Corbyn and May reach an agreement. Uh, we get customs union, close alignment with single market, workers' rights, something like that. Labour say, yep, yeah, okay, we'll do that. Is that actually going to produce enough of a majority in Parliament to get approval of the meaningful vote? If we think about what there is, there's going to be a hardcore of uh, Tory rebels. In the ERG, there's going to be the DUP who are still going to vote against because the withdrawal agreement will still be the same withdrawal agreement. You're going to have some Labour rebels. You're going to have a whole bunch of softer Tories who might be uh, uh, voting against in disgust at this uh, bipartisan approach. 
you will have other parties that may be deciding that they don't want to support uh, this package. So if we think about the Lib Dems or the SNP, they might say, well, again, this is still Brexit. We still don't like uh, any form of Brexit, so we want to block it. So actually, I'm unclear as to whether this bipartisan approach at this stage actually can produce a clear majority, a robust majority for MV4. And that matters because the withdrawal agreement still requires that implementation bill. And that implementation bill is going to be an absolute pain in the neck to uh, get approved. We know this from all the previous treaty ratifications that have ever taken place on European issues in the UK. You might have a, a pretty healthy majority for the uh, implementation or the principle in, uh, in abstract, but when it comes to actual legislation, it's tooth and nail. Think back to Maastricht uh, and the long battle about uh, Parliament approving the, the domestic uh, bill uh, to, to enforce that. There will be very hard action from uh, the DUP, from the ERG, from other hard Brexit groups within Parliament against particular provisions, against uh, all of the uh, ideas that the withdrawal agreement contains, particularly if the withdrawal agreement contains uh, a lot of detail, which it might. And then that's before we even get to the Lords, where the government doesn't have anything like a majority and where there is real concern that the implementation bill will create important points of constitutional significance and it's been asked to rush them through. And the Lords does not like to be rushed and it cannot be rushed uh, very much uh, in this case. So uh, the ability of Parliament, uh, the government to force stuff through the Lords is rather limited which makes that 22nd of May deadline look really ambitious, especially because the draft bill has still not been published for anyone to scrutinise. So really, uh, at best, this is a punt. This is a shot in the dark. This is a wild guess. And I think it really reflects the difficulty of Theresa May's position. Uh, in all of this, that she sees herself very blocked uh, within her own party. She's now trying to reach across to uh, opposition parties to uh, get this over the line. But that comes with a real set of dangers for her, uh, about her own party unity, about her position, about the survival of the government, and all of it in the context, which we must never forget, of a European Union that is waiting to find out what happens. Now, really importantly, by Friday, we need to have some clarity <clears throat> about the UK situation because that's really the deadline that the EU have set for being informed of what the UK is going to ask for. Now, for the, the EU, the concern is that they are once again going to be asked for a short extension without a plan and no real guarantees. Uh, that it can happen. The things that would make uh, life uh, easier for them is uh, a definitive uh, position from Parliament, uh, a solid vote in favour of something rather than against something, and uh, 
yeah, just something that gives them some sense that this is uh, actually coming to an end rather than carrying on. I think probably you are going to find that the EU is going to be less uh, well disposed to this than it was last time. That it will want to uh, ideally have a longer extension to give itself uh, more space for things to go wrong. Not least because it doesn't want to be going back into a situation where every two or three weeks it has to have emergency meetings to agree a little bit more time here and there. The big point though still is the European elections. You're going to need to see by the 12th of April uh, the UK, if it wants to go past that point, it needs to have put something in place for European elections uh, to take place if the UK still is a member on the 23rd of May. Um, that, I think, is, is possible. Whether it actually happens, uh, I really don't uh, know at this stage. So, to pull all this together, we've got a government that is uh, divided, we have a parliament that could possibly find uh, a consensus uh, on all of this, but equally could fall apart. And we've got an EU that is concerned that it is going to try and get bounced into uh, another situation that it doesn't really want to be in. So, uh, a fairly normal day at the office these days. What we'll do is, uh, as we know some more about this, uh, we'll come back to it. Uh, by the time of the European Council next week, so on the 10th, uh, we should have a lot more uh, clarity about where this is going. And we'll know whether the 12th of April turns out to be the day the UK leaves the EU without a deal, or whether it's the start of another rather long extension. I think those are probably your two options. Uh, which one uh, actually takes place is uh, in the hands of others. So have a great week and uh, hold on to your hats because it's going to be another bit of a whirlwind.